0: Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have another amazing show with my good friend, Nikki Balao. Now, Nikki, believe it or not, um, has got some really interesting connections that I never knew about. We've just been talking about them offline. But Nicky's a coach. He's a speaker. He's a podcaster. He's got his own podcast called The Thought Leadership Revolution. Um, He's the founder of E Circle Academy as well, and he's worked with Olympic athletes. He's worked with billionaires. He's worked with entrepreneurs and celebrities and alike. Um, He's had various. Amazing guests on his podcast, Seth Godin. We've had Dr. Ivan Meisner as well, which we uh, who I'm very good friends with as well, uh, Raymond Darren as well. So some really credible thought leaders on his podcast as well. He's worked with um, really credible Olympic athletes such as Olympic uh, Olympic sprinter, and I believe he did the one and two hundred meters sprint. Donovan Bailey was the Canadian sprinter, uh, Mark McCoy as well, and also the. Uh, Guin- uh i think she was three times guinness world record holder i think her name was Teresa Dignal or something like that i can't remember um but anyway cut long story short some of the things that we're gonna be covering about today is we're going, we're going to be going through a lot of stuff on the mindset side of stuff we're gonna be talking a little bit about nikki's backstory and how he came from um his country or his parents came from his country that moved to canada and talks a little bit about his dad because he's inspired by his dad his dad is like his champion um the principles of winning, like a cha- like a mindset, uh, uh, you know, thirteen principles of talking about how to win like a champion, which I'm absolutely a big fan of because obviously been an athlete myself. We're talking. We're also going to be talking a little bit about why entrepreneurs fail. What is the big reasons why they fail? What's the big kind of missing piece of the puzzle? Why a lot of people don't make it? So we can explore those possibilities. But uh, we're also going to be going on some other stuff as well. But listen, this is going to be a fun-packed show. Make sure you got notebook and pen handy because I'm excited. Listen, I'm really excited. So listen, without further ado, Nikki, welcome to the show.
0: Um, thanks for having me, man. It's an honor to be here, bro. It's it,
1: it's great to have here, and uh, you know, it, it, it's really it's been really interesting. Like our last couple of conversations, and where it, you know, who we've kind of connected, and uh, and how we've kind of never actually crossed wires even though we've got similar people in our network isn't it? it's really interesting
0: yeah 100 percent, man 100 uh <laughs> you know uh last sevens is a great man and uh he's a good friend of yours and he's a good friend of mine so it's good Absolutely. that we've got that mutual connection in common
1: so big enough big up for uh some of our canadian listeners here by the way um because i know that nikki based out of toronto in canada um so but you weren't, your, your parents and your family roots, should we say that, that you, you guys aren't from Canada, you're from Iran,
0: is that correct? That's right. I'll tell you a little bit about my backstory, Adam. So I'm originally a Christian from Iran. And and if you know much about Iran, Iran is an overwhelmingly uh, majority Muslim country. Over 98% of the population is Muslim. Wow. And less than one half of 1% of the population is any other religion. And Christians (laughs) aren't the second biggest other religion. They're like fourth or fifth or sixth. And when the Islamic revolution happened back in 1979, Right. My late father, God rest his soul. He had the foresight to see this was not going to be the greatest place for him to raise his family anymore because the government had decided it was officially going to discriminate against anyone who was not a Muslim. So uh, and he could see the writing on the wall. There was a lot of executions of people going on just because they were connected with the previous regime. Uh, you know, it, this was broadcast on television daily. Right. Um, you know, so. My father said, no, we got to move into a free country. And we moved to Canada. And I thank God every day for the foresight that my father had. You know, there's a lot of people in the West these days that they think, oh my God, the West is such a horrible place. The West (laughs) is so racist. The West is so sexist and this and this. And And when I look at that, I go, you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. This is the most tolerant place on earth. When I was 11 years old, someone threw a Molotov cocktail through our living room window. On it, there was a note attached that said, "'Die, Christian scum.'" If not for the grace of God Almighty, you and I would not be talking here today. That's crazy. Okay? So every day I give thanks to my Father and to God Almighty for getting to live in a free country. Even though there are people that are trying to take that away from us, this is still a free country. The UK is still a free country and we can fight back against the forces of evil and tyranny. I think it's important for your listener to get that because if you're an entrepreneur, first and foremost, the only thing that allows you to be an entrepreneur is that you live in a free society is that you are, have the ability to take advantage of free enterprise, a free expression of the ability to think for yourself, to create a path for yourself without those freedoms. None of that would be possible. So you're lucky that you get to live in Canada. You're lucky you get to live in America. You're lucky you get to live in the UK. You should just thank God every single day. Right. And, my father brought us here, and, you know, my father was the greatest man that I ever knew, right? My father was an entrepreneur. he's a successful entrepreneur, and he was a man who uplifted the people around him. He sought to help people become better. If you knew Napoleon Ballou, and you had the coolest first name, before, right? <laughs> so, like the coolest first name. I know it's a Brit. Maybe you guys don't think That's so. That's pretty but, cool. You know, <laughs> it's a pretty – so, so – if you knew Napoleon Ballou, you were going to be uplifted. You, you were going to, you were going to elevate your thinking. You're going to be more successful, you know, and my dad was generous to a fault. He taught that to us. My dad gave away houses, cars, apartments to people. And you heard that right, buddy. You're going, did he, did I hear him right? Yeah, yeah. You heard that right. He gave away houses, cars, and apartments. You might be thinking, Nikki, why would he do that? Well, number one is because he believed in generosity and giving and That was who he was, but number two is because he could, he had the wherewithal to be able to do it. He had made, uh, uh, you know, something of his life. He had the financial means to take care of his family and to take care of other people as well. And, you know, my dad, I wanted to be just like him. I thought entrepreneurs were the greatest people in the world, they were the ones who were generous. They were the ones who had the means to do things. They were the ones who had, you know, the vision, to go after something that nobody else could see and make it happen. So I became an entrepreneur and I, and I started to see that, you know, what I really wanted to do was help other entrepreneurs. I, I read books like Ayn Rand's the fountainhead and the shrug where she talks about the majesty of the individual. And I bought the majesty of the individual (laughs) and, and I just wanted to help entrepreneurs. And what I saw is good men and women with good hearts who wanted to make a difference for people. You know, a lot of them, had some challenges, right? They, they were, they were like, look okay, at, I'm, I'm a good person, but I don't want to come across like I'm pushy. I don't want to come across like I'm salesy. I don't want to come across like I got commission breath reeking from me. You know, <laughs> I wanna, I wanna be seen as a good person. The problem is that that meant that they stopped going after business they should have gone after, and they wouldn't get it. Someone else, some charlatan marketer would go get that business. And this was bad for the world for several reasons. Well, obviously, it was bad for that entrepreneur because that entrepreneur, that man, that woman wouldn't get the business. They wouldn't get to fulfill their mission. They wouldn't make the money, all that good stuff. It was bad for the client because they worked with a charlatan who wouldn't deliver the goods. They just took their money and didn't deliver. So it's bad for them because their problems still persisting. And it's even bad for the charlatan because the charlatan didn't get their come comeuppance. And they didn't realize that they were on the wrong path and they're going to have an even harder knock on the head in the future. Because, you know, God Almighty makes sure that everybody gets their just desserts one way or another at the end of the day. So it's bad. And it's also bad because the sum total of goodness in the world is less. So, like, I'm really keen on teaching people like that, you know, how to move away from selling because nobody wants to be sold. Nobody but everybody wants to buy. Everybody wants to be seen as a caring advocate. Isn't it so much better to be a caring advocate than a slimy salesman? Absolutely, 100%. I teach people all about that. And it's a big part of what we teach our people to do because our people are good people. And we want to help them be able to be framing themselves as a caring advocate. Now it's easier said than done, but going through a process, helping them, do certain things to reshift their thinking will allow them to do that. The other thing is a lot of these entrepreneurs, they're excited, they're eager, but they sound like everybody else. You ever heard, for example, a salesperson in the the insurance field or in the real estate field go, well, you ask him, what makes you different from everybody else? Oh, I'm honest. I'm honest, like oh my God.
1: or I'm professional. Oh, yes. I'm professional. I'm professional. I'm professional. I'm punctual. Professional.
0: I'm punctual. Well, I'm punctual. Actually, that would set you apart in this day and age. But but that's I'm true. honest and I'm professional. You know, I give good service. Yeah, I give great service. Come on, and that that's table sticks, Everybody does that, and everybody uh, more importantly, everybody says that. Everybody says that. That's true. And you don't stand out for that. So we got to teach these people. How to stand out, how to have a message that's dialed in. And the only way to do that is, first of all, you got to stop putting the attention on you. And this also ties into sales. You got to put the attention on your client and the problem they're looking to solve. Because business is nothing but helping solve problems for profit, not just any problems, acute problems. Right. Business is about solving acute problems for profit. And if you do that and you do a good job of solving acute problems for profit, my friend, that's when life becomes grand and glorious and wonderful for you. That's when you start to become the best version of yourself and you make money. And a lot of a lot of people don't know how to do that. They don't know how to how to identify pain points. They don't know how to go deep into pain points with clients. They don't know how to stand out. They don't know how to have a dialed in message. They say stupid stuff like I'm honest, I'm professional, <laughs> I'm, I give good service. They don't know how to position themselves. They don't know how to truly understand their expertise. Like, I'll give you an example of, my, of, of myself, right? You called me a coach and all that good stuff. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what kind of makes me pretty darn unique, right? Like, number one is, you know, I'm a man who went through a divorce and I've become a champion for men and a champion for masculinity. I'm really big on helping men understand all their power comes from, from keeping their word. If you don't keep your word as the man, you got nothing. You lose all your self-trust and you lose the trust of the world around you. Right. So I help men like that who are like seven-figure, eight-figure entrepreneurs dial that in so their business gets better. But I also help them dial that in so they're better in their relationships, their health and fitness gets better because then they're, they're telling themselves they're going to you know, lose weight, they're going to stop drinking booze, they're going to stop eating crappy food, they're actually going to do it. That's the sort of thing that, that I do. I've got a background, like you said, I'm working with Olympic gold medalists and world record holders, right? That's a pretty cool thing about Nikki Baloo. I spent 10, you know, nine years, just under nine years in corporate, right? So I got a background in IT and in, in sales as a director of sales at the last company I worked with. So I got all that going on for me, right? I can speak about this. You talk to a lot of people, they're like, well, you know, I'm new in entrepreneurship or I've been selling for three years. I mean, nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> like, like Honestly. I've written books, I've written eight books, i got podcasts, you know, I've interviewed the smartest people in the world. Like you said, all that's impressive. I show people how they can position all that and, and not just say it like I've said it, but also be able to tie it into helping the people. Because if you talk too much about yourself, nobody wants to hear it anyway. Right? I agree. Like all that stuff I said about myself is the last stuff I'm gonna say about myself in this podcast. The rest of it is all about making a difference for the men and women that, you know, are hurting their their business is not where they want it to be they're making less money than they should they're burning out because they're working too hard man i'm all about helping those people you know and i'll tell you i'll tell you a story of one kid i helped so he was a he was a personal trainer you know how much personal trainers make right yep. i mean they're the richest people in our society <laughs> i used to be you
1: know, one like, by the I, way
0: <laughs> I, there you go me too me too so that's that's how i can see it. so this fella came to see me and he had seven clients he was making like Eighteen thousand dollars a year, man. It was like ridiculous. What? You know what I mean? How long ago he, was this? Nineteen seventy-four. No. Year, so, in any event, this this fellow was making eighteen thousand dollars a year at the time, and he, you know, he had to borrow money from his parents to pay his rent. It was embarrassing. Wow. And I asked him, so who do you work with? Oh, anybody. I can work with anybody. Well, yeah, that's a great answer. Obviously, anybody. <laughs> Everybody loves to be in an anybody, right? No, you want to work. I said, no, man, you got to create like a, a, a narrow niche for yourself. And he goes, okay, I want to work with doctors. Well, the only reason he mentioned doctors is because they had money and he thought that'd be good, right? So, well, that was not a good enough reason for doctors to want to work with him. So he didn't get many clients. And then he goes, okay, I'll work with cardiologists. I want a niche even narrowly. Yeah, I'm so smart. <laughs> well, the cardiologists weren't all that interested in him either. Then finally, he started working with one fellow who was a Paralympian who'd lost a leg in a childhood accident. Oh wow! Um, and he loved working with this guy. And He said, "You know what? I think I want to work with more people with missing limbs. Like I, I really enjoyed this." So, guess what happened when he put himself out there? Is that he got 400 clients in six weeks? Damn, 400 clients? 400 in six weeks. Wow, he had seven in a year before. <laughs> wow, so that's he insane. he went from he went from eighteen thousand to 180 thousand in less than a year i am actually in six weeks but it just took us a long time to get him to the point that he figured this (laughs) out right but like you think about that why would these people want to do business with him well obviously he was giving him a workout but the acute pain that someone with a missing limb has is a self-concept am i less than because i don't have a limb i'm i'm not able to body anymore i'm less than i'm not good enough i'm other people are better than me yep and his message, even though he didn't come out and say it that way, was, I'm gonna train you, I'm gonna push you hard. I was, no, you're not less than, you're a fucking beast, you're a fucking badass, you're a warrior. <laughs> That's what he was telling them. And tell me something, somebody who's questioning their very existence in that way, I don't mean like, you know, they're gonna kill themselves, obviously right. not, but their, their worth as a human being was, was, was attacked by themselves, by their own feeling that because I've got a limb that's missing or more than one limb that's missing, I'm less than. And his message was, you are as good, if not better, because what you have takes even more guts than any able-bodied person will ever have to overcome. And I'm going to pull that out of you. That was his message. He didn't verbalize it as such. But 400 clients in six weeks, man. Hey, that
1: 400 clients in
0: six weeks. Like you think about that, that was badass. So he went from 18,000 to 180,000, just like that. That's cool. And then, then brother, he started to like go, okay, I gotta, I gotta like, you know, do some other things to find more ways to work with these people. And he did. And we helped him come up with a way to position himself as the guy for that. He wrote a book about it. And this personal trainer making 18 grand a year within less than three years was making a million, 1.1 1. 1 million.
1: Wow.
0: Unfortunately, he couldn't handle all that. He was young and he messed it up after a couple of years. But um, the truth of the matter is that's the beauty of being able to have a clear message Mm. and solve an acute problem Mm. for somebody who is absolutely keen to have that problem solved. Mm. Because if you're looking to solve problems for people, that are not acute, that are like, yeah, well, you know, there's a little story. One of my mentors told me once of a fellow who had a this this old fashioned house in, in the south in the U.S., Tennessee, someplace like that. Right. With a, with a big old wooden porch in front of it. Right. And he had a couple <laughs> of rocking chairs there and there was a hound dog sitting there. It was just whining. And then his buddy came to visit him. And he just know that hound dog just kept whining, sitting there and whining, and then his buddy just couldn't take it anymore. He said, "Why is your dog whining so much?" He said, "Oh, him, oh, yeah, he's he's sitting on a nail, son." He said, he's "Sitting on a nail." Well, why doesn't he move off the nail? Oh, he looked at him. He says, "Oh, because it's not hurting him enough yet." <laughs> Adam, isn't that true of so many people out there? So funny. It's that, that is a great not analogy. Not hurting them enough no. yet. I love Think it. Think about yeah. that. Absolutely. It's not hurting them enough yet. So that man or woman who's in business who comes in front of me, like I'm looking for the man or woman who that nail has punctured their their hindquarters and they're like done. They're pulling it out. They're like, heal me, doc, heal me. I'm looking for that, not the person who's, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> you keep sitting on that nail until you're ready to get off. Call me when you're ready to get off. I want the person who's ready to do something about it. Because if you're that person, you're going to attract that kind of person into your business. If you're like, well, You know what? It's really great talking to you. And I love this Game Changers experience and all. But, you know, I think I need to go do my research, Adam. I need to go do my research. I'm not going to come and give you an answer right now. I'll get back to you. I don't know when, Adam. Don't bother me with those details. That's so funny. (laughs) It's
1: so funny, man. Uh, Honestly, for you guys that are listening, I don't know about you, but I'm having a ball here. Um, By the way, I forgot to tell you that Nikki is a a big freedom fighter. And we'll talk about that, all right? We're free to fire, like all into like freedom of speech, freedom. Everything's about freedom. I love that about him. That is one great strength that I'm a big fan of, which is freedom. You know, and we live in a free world. Well, we like to think we live in a free world. Anyway, I digress. I should not go into any more, but but i let you guys do your own research, all right? Anyway, listen, I want to get straight into some other stuff as well, because Hey, listen, I hope that you're enjoying us. Uh, but for you guys that are listening, by the way, if you do want to connect with Nicky, make sure that you connect with him on the links below. You, make sure you do that at the end of this episode. So listen, I want to talk a little bit about, because you work with um, You work with Donovan Bailey. Now, Donovan, I know Donovan because I was an ex-Olympic um, athlete myself. And I remember following Donovan Bailey. He won Olympic gold, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember when it was because I'm not Canadian was it 96
0: he Holy won the sh- 100 meters and the and the four by 100 he anchored the uh the canadian team because
1: it, i think it was around the time of like when linford christie was around that time donovan bailey
0: and... yeah linford won in 92 oh okay um, and uh donovan won in 96 my 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 mate mark mccoy who was uh 110 meters hurdler he also won in 92 Um Uh, and uh, Mark is really good friends with Colin Jackson, who you may know. I
1: know Colin Jackson, the hurdler. Yeah, 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 yeah. Colin's old school as well. It's like the whole kind of um, and I remember, um, I used to love watching Frankie Fredericks. You remember Frankie Fredericks? Frankie
0: Fredericks, Fredericks man.
1: Yeah. Oh my God, it was great. Yeah. And also Michael Johnson, you know, when he had that like- little, Oh that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That funny technique. Michael Johnson. You know, it's interesting. Maybe Michael might be listening to the podcast right now because I know that we're connected on LinkedIn, even though we haven't had any conversations, but he's a great guy, by the way. I just was fascinated by his running technique, Nikki. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I digress. Um, let's talk a little bit about, Athletes and entrepreneurs. Because I I I'd love to get your analogy of that because you worked with a lot of these top athletes. What do you think athletes have that entrepreneurs don't have?
0: Well, I'll tell you, I I in my book, Finish Line Thinking, I talk about the mentality of the champion athlete because I think that is worth right. studying more than just you know the average athlete, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's part being being a successful athlete at any level, but the champion athletes think differently. So Donovan and Mark and those guys. You know, the mentality they had was they they were going to win. There was no backdoor. You know what I mean? Like, they were going to win. They were going to do what it took to win. They were going to work their tail off. They were going to figure out what had to be done. Like Mark, um, it took him 16 years until he won his Olympic gold medal, right? Seriously? He, Wow. Yeah, sixteen years. 16 you know, years, in nineteen eighty, in nineteen eighty, he was part of the Canadian Olympic team that was supposed to go to Moscow, but we didn't go because of the boycott. Got it. In eighty four, he went to um, L.A. and um, you know he finished fourth by five hundredths of a second. In eighty eight, he went to Seoul, and to, you know that was the whole Ben Johnson fiasco, and he was caught up in that. Oh, he finished God. seventh he retired and each step of the way, you know, he was getting coaches. And then one of the things was, and this is why I teach everybody is, uh, Colin actually started looking for him in like 89, came to Canada, like say, Hey man, come back, come out of retirement, come work with me. And he agreed. Um, Colin's coach was a man named, uh, uh, Malcolm. Oh my God. What's Malcolm's last name? Um, anyways, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Arnold. Malcolm Arnold was his name. Yeah. Got it. So Malcolm, um, Malcolm went to, um, uh, to Colin and said, Hey, Mark, Hey, Colin, sorry. You sure you want me to train Mark? I he said, I know what's wrong with him and I can help him fix it. And if I do, he might beat you. And so Colin said, absolutely. I want to train with Mark. Um, A, he didn't think he could be beat by an old man. <laughs> Mark was older. And B, B, he was a champion. He believed that the competition would make them both better. And, um, so Mark had worked with the top coaches in the world, but he hadn't worked with the very best coach in the world. And that was Malcolm Arnold. So Malcolm Arnold said, hey, Mark, come on over. Let's take a couple of runs over the hurdles. And the very first time Mark ran, he noticed something. He noticed that his left foot was slightly crooked and his right foot was pretty much straight. So with every step, you step in crooked. And, you know, um, what do you notice? What's the difference between the right and the left here?
1: Well, basically, it's because it's crooked. Like the training leg is always going to hit the hurdle. It's going to slow you down, right?
0: No, no, that's not it. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll tell you. Go on, go. It's an inch less. You, you lose an inch with that trailing leg because it's crooked. Oh, you see? got it, got it, got so it. So Mark said, "I came all this way for one inch," and he said, "No, dude, you take thirty-nine of those steps in a race. That's thirty-nine inches losing." Oh because of your, your stride. Now, brother, you've been in track. What's the difference between first and fourth at that level?
1: Uh, well, put it this way. No one likes to lose. Everyone wants to go to the gold, right? That's the end of the ballgame. You're a loser if you're in fourth. No one talks about four.
0: Well, no, but what's the what's the physical difference in the sprints between first and fourth?
1: Oh, it could is it be like, like
0: your or is it inches? Oh, it's it's, it,
1: inches. it's inches. It's inches, hundreds it's of thousands inches. of seconds.
0: 39 inches. So, Mark, so you know, he said, How do I correct it? He said, just focus on making your foot straight. So he did, and after a few runs, he got it. And less than a year and a half later, Mark, at the age of 30, the oldest man ever, won. 110 meter hurdles. Wow! At the Barcelona Olympics, he won gold. Damn! You want to guess what his winning margin was?
1: I bet it was like it was so
0: small. Anyway, it's like we're talking hundreds. 39 inches. Seriously, dude? That's crazy. That was God, that was God ordained. 39. <laughs> That's inches. so crazy. That Damn. Damn, man. right? like you go? And that gave me goosebumps when he told me that story the first time. And I just thought to myself, okay, damn, that's cool as shit, man. That is,
1: that is cool as shit.
0: <laughs> that's the difference between hiring the best coach and hiring a coach, a Absolutely. good coach. Yep. Yeah, inside what we do, we're the best at what we do. So the people that work with us get the best results. Now, there's a lot of other guys that are out there that aren't so great. They're charlatans. And some of them are actually decent, but most are charlatans. Let's just be honest. Like one of the things I'll tell you is one of the reasons I get so keen on, on um, thought leadership and really using that as a, as, a, as a key to stand out and differentiate yourself mm-hmm. is because the folks who taught it in Australia had like 15, 1,700 clients. Over half of them made a half a million to two and a half million a year, bro. And then of the remaining half, over 60% made a quarter million to half a million a year. So 83% of the people that did the thought leadership way yep. made 250K to two and a half mil a year. Now, in North America, that's not too shabby. I've taken the courses. I've taken all the courses, man. You know, I don't want to name names, but I've taken them. And I've learned something from all of them. I don't want to say I didn't learn nothing. And it was great. It was fun, high energy. <laughs> but are you kidding me? They're lucky if 5% of the people that did their programs make that kind of money from them. Yeah. It's lucky. True. It's true.
1: 100%. 100%. In fact, the majority of people I know that, especially entrepreneur-wise, they earn less than 100 grand a year if you're lucky. Easy. So anyway, listen, I want to get into the next one. And let's talk a little bit about entrepreneurs, right? I want to talk a little bit about. It's interesting. You, I love the story that you used about the thirty-nine inches. I think it was a great story, great analogy. But let's get down to the nitty-gritty, okay? Mister Entrepreneur is listening to us right now, okay? There's a missing trick, right? You talked about positioning. You talked a little bit about uh, a little bit about mindset. But what do you think the real reason in today's world, which is very different from maybe two years ago, even four years ago, very different, why is why is it that we're seeing so many people consistently tripping up over their feet, right? And failing and failing and failing. What's, what's your are trying your
0: things that don't work anymore. That's the truth of the matter is, right? Like everyone's telling them, hey, why don't you do a launch? Why don't you do a low, low ticket thing? That crap doesn't work. <laughs> you know, look, here's what works. It's always worked throughout history, okay? But you got to find somebody who's got a problem that hurts them enough that they want to solve it. You do that, you got to put yourself out there with the message that you can be the person to solve it. And then you got to be willing to ask for the business. Now, all of that in a nutshell is business 101, right? Um, but most people just, they're not going to do it. They're scared. They're trying to do it by themselves and they fail. And one of the reasons people fail is they try to do things alone. So Mark McCoy won the Olympic gold medal because he had the very best coach. Right. Right. And he was with the very best hurdler in the world, Colin Jackson. Who's your peer group? Who's the one? You don't have a peer group. That's why you're losing. You don't have the best coach. That's why you're losing. Right. You know. That's why we we create what we create. We create beautiful peer groups of heart driven people. We got great, fantastic leaders. I mean, I know you understand this because that's how you lead your life. But everybody should have a coach and a peer group. And by the way, if you're a coach yourself, you need a coach. You you need, no, you need more than one coach, by the way. Yeah, yeah you do. I have four <laughs> coaches right now. I have four coaches. Sometimes Great. a fifth one that I kind of dabble with from time to time. So, Totally get it.
1: And, and I agree with you on that. Absolutely, 100%. Why would try and work it out yourself when you can work it out when someone else has been there, done that, and got the T-shirt, right? Exactly, bro. Love it. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, – now, in your book, by the way, right – which is uh finish line thinking, which I know came out, you know, we, you did the second edition, I think 2014, you said, right. You know, a good yeah. eight years ago, but very still like the things that, you know, the principles that you talked about in the book very much applicable to respect. today. I mean, it, it doesn't matter like the fundamentals. I, I call them the fundamentals. Do you know what I'm saying? Like what, what you talked about, but let's talk a little bit about those some of the core principles from finish line thinking and, and how we can apply that to, to uh, how entrepreneurs can apply those principles in today's world.
0: Well, there's a concept in, um, Silicon Valley, when people are starting a a tech startup called the minimum viable product. Okay. And, um, that concept's very powerful. A lot of entrepreneurs that I know inside our space, you know, service-based space, They got to get things perfect. Oh my God, this has got to be perfect. I'm not going to do anything until my website's perfect, until the product's perfect, until everything's perfect. That's bull crap. First of all, there's no such thing as perfect. Secondly, what if you're wrong? What if you create something and the market says no, which happens more often than, than we like? You should be in a constant feedback loop of creating and iterating, creating and iterating, getting feedback, testing it out there. That's what they do in Silicon Valley with their minimum viable product. They create something that's good enough. They put it out there. They see who bites and the parts that people don't like, they quickly discard and the parts that they like, they just overemphasize them and they do other things to iterate, iterate, iterate. That's the way you got to run your business. And inside finish line thinking, we say, we talk about fail, fail fast, fail often. You know, you got to fail your way to success. And too many people take failure as a, personal slight oh my god that means i'm bad no one's gonna buy from me no that just means you tried something yep you know um i fail every day man Lots.
1: <laughs> i'm an expert <laughs> failure by the way i just want to point that out to you guys oh, there you go <laughs> <laughs> probably the same for nikki as well by the way we're both expert failures so
0: it's 100%, 100
1: 100%. but, but I, I guess you know you know it's interesting because i think we also have very different uh like i was gonna say North Americans, like Canadians and Americans, have very different analogies or different – what's the word I'm looking for? A different um, perspective of what failure is and how it impacts us. Does does that make sense? Have you ever come across that? Totally.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The 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 folks here uh, – I'm imagining it's, 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 it's similar in a lot of different places. You know um at the moment i live in north america i haven't i haven't lived in europe for a while i, I have lived in europe in the past don't so worry you don't miss him my my um my sense of, of of people's definition of failure is they take it personally yeah they I take agree. it to mean like if you fail that means you are a failure as a person your worth is destroyed yep. and unfortunately that's one of the reasons You know why I left corporate, because that's the mentality in corporate, oh, you can't fail. I'm like, dude, if you don't fail, what the hell are you doing? you got to fail. you got to be good at failing. And that way you learn how to succeed. That way you learn what works and what doesn't. I mean, these people that try to do things in a silo, if, if they launch it, they succeed. It's a happy accident. They don't know why it succeeded if no. you um
1: interestingly enough you know one of the very first podcast episodes we did with was with a guy called jonathan horton and now he was the olympic silver gold medalist he was doing um what do you call it gymnastics and so gymnastics similar to sprinting where you talk about fine margins where you talk about 39 inches this guy we're talking like such minimal like like I'm talking so close, it would be the difference between first and seventh. That's how close it would be. And he talked a little bit about yeah. like um, how the fact that he had this, what they call, he was conditioned to have this perfectionist mindset and being able to, and one of the toughest things, and it might be the same for you and some of your clients, where it's kind of like that switch. What do you think people need to do from that mindset of, I'm not. I'm going to call it perfectionism, I suppose, to the kind of more of a, um, okay, I need to take a slightly different perspective, a different stance. Does that make sense? Does it make sense what I'm asking?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, that's why you need to have a coach in a peer group. Again, I say it because on your own, you're not going to see that. You're going to be stuck in the weeds. You're going to be stuck in the trees, <laughs> right? And that's why you got to have a coach to help you see what you don't see. You know, like I, I come into that crap myself all the time. We all do. We all do. The successful people understand that they need a team around them. The unsuccessful try to do everything by themselves. Absolutely. hundred percent.
1: No, absolutely agree with you on this one. Um, I know that we're coming towards the end of our um, interview, should we say, but I'd love to know more about like, what is the big future for you? Like, what are you working on right now? I'd love to know more about what you're doing.
0: Listen, man, I, I'm a believer in freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. I got a vision that we're going to have a constituency for free enterprise so big that the socialists can never break it. The socialists will be destroyed by it. <laughs> and that means creating lots of millionaires. So I got a vision for a billion millionaires around the globe. And so that's kind of my thing. Is I w- I'm hoping this catches on hashtag billion millionaires. And I want to help you know a dozen people this year make a a, a million-dollar-a-year income. And I know that I need other people like yourself to like buy into this. You go make a bunch of people millionaires too. But I I want a billion millionaires. And then of the millionaires that I'm working with, I want them to be worth decamillionaires. So at least 10 million, 20 million, $30 million plus. So I'm looking for a hundred million decamillionaires that that are in that net worth. I'm looking for 10 million centimillionaires and I'm looking for 1 million billionaires to be created out of this funnel. So I think it's a very doable thing. I think we all need to come together. And like, I'm, I'm keen on helping some people right now. They're like, yeah, I want to be that millionaire. I want to do that. Like those are the folks I'm looking to talk to because let's make this be your future. And that's my future is making that difference for as many people as I possibly can. So if someone's listening to the program right now, you're hurting, your income's not as high as you need it to be. Mm-hmm. You know you're, you know that you could you suck at selling, let's be honest. You know, you're not well positioned and your messaging is not really working well for you. You know, it's not happening, but you know, you're a good person. You got something good to give. And when you work with people, you deliver great results. We should talk. We should talk yesterday.
1: Definitely. hundred percent. Listen, guys, I hope that you've been enjoying some of our conversations with me and Nikki. Uh, For you guys that are listening in and you want to ask Nikki any questions or you want to reach out to him. What I would recommend is click on all of his social media links below and, you know, mention the podcast because I'm sure that he'll be able to put kind of put two and two together. Uh, Nikki, I just want to say thanks so much for being on the show today. We pretty appreciate it.
0: And thanks for having me. But you know, the best way for someone to get on a conversation with me is just go to my website. There's a book, a call button there. Boom. Get it done. And And say you came from the podcast and I'll make sure that I have the conversation. Because there's usually a bit of an application process for that, but absolutely cool. That's what we'll do.
1: Listen, guys, hope you've enjoyed today. I uh, hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. If you if you do me a favor, if you have really enjoyed our conversations, uh, please do me a favor. Go onto Apple or on Spotify, either give us a one or a five star review. I don't care which, whatever it is. I prefer a five star review, of course, <laughs> but a one or a five star review. I love honesty, by the way. If you do, have enjoyed it, please do. I would really greatly appreciate that, and also tag us as well. Really greatly appreciate it. Listen, from me and Nikki, we really appreciate you today. Hope to we'll see you on the next Game Changers experience. Take care and see you soon.